It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. Hello, 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 and welcome, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're here with the Week 3 Preview Part 1. We're going over the Thursday night game and all the Sunday 1 o'clock games in today's episode. I cannot wait to get to it. It's been two days since I've been able to talk to you guys, but... There actually is not really a latest news segment to go over outside of the injury news and player analysis that we're going to go through in this podcast and, of course, in tomorrow's preview show where we talk about the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games in that one. Of course, we got a mailbag segment here at the end. I got a few questions from the fans. We'll be able to get to that as well. Very excited for this one. We got a big week three matchup for a lot of you who gone one and one. This is the big key for you in the playoffs. A lot of teams that go two and one have a much better shot of making the playoffs for obvious reasons moving forward and getting your confidence and momentum building up. And then for some of you trying to go three and oh or trying to just stave off from going 0 and three and going one and two, this is a pivotal week for a lot of fantasy matchups. Week three can sometimes dictate how a season is going to go if an owner is going to sell or try something different or totally shake up their roster things to keep your eyes on in your leagues if somebody is panicking because they go 0-3, then ripe is the taking. Go and try to trade for some of their best players. Buy low on them. See if they will panic. A lot of times you will be in leagues where they will. So that's my big advice to you guys heading into this matchup. Look for the guys who are 0-3 because they're going to look to shake up their rosters because they're going to be ready to hit the panic button because it's going to be now or never for them to start getting on a run to get back into the playoff contention. That's where you can really make your moves and get your team over the top. So that's going to be the key for you. That's my main advice for you, my overall theme for you. And then now, of course, we got to get into the preview shows. No latest news segments. We're going to just drop a break, and we're going to kick it off with the Thursday night preview matchup. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Well, I know the Thursday night games so far have been snooze fests, and I really don't expect the one tonight to be any different between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. These are two teams that are going to rely on their defenses, rely on their rushing games to help win them the game. This is going to be a low-scoring affair, and frankly, if it wasn't for fantasy football, I don't know how much I would really want to watch this game. I know they keep trying to do these division games on Thursday night, but man, oh man, pick some higher-scoring matchups, because for primetime television, this is going to probably be one of the lowest-watched games, because there's just not going to be a lot going on in the first place. Now, we have our fantasy guys on the Tennessee Titans side. You're going to start Derrick Henry. He had the big game against Jacksonville last year. It could be a revenge game for the Jacksonville defense, or it could be just Derrick Henry has their number. We will yet to be seen, but you have to start Derrick Henry, obviously. 
I'm going to try to avoid starting any of the Tennessee Titan wide receivers. You guys really should probably have better options to be able to go with other than Corey Davis or AJ Brown. Adam Humphreys hasn't done a damn thing. He shouldn't even be rostered in any format on any league size. So AJ Brown, Corey Davis, I could see them being on teams. But there's no reason why they should be playing. I'm also not going to be streaming Marcus Mariota for obvious purposes there. And then Delaney Walker is the only other Tennessee Titan that I am good with starting in my lineup. Tight end one, he's been very good. He's already come back and been Marcus Mariota's favorite target right off the bat. So you can start Derrick Henry. You you can start Delaney Walker, and then we'll see. With Derrick Henry, look, just have a reasonable expectation. Whatever your normal expectation is for Derrick Henry, that is what you should expect out of this game. I don't necessarily give him a boost because I do think Jackson was going to try to make a point that he's not going to run all over them again. But at the same time, he does match up well. Those power runners who have some speed to them are the Achilles heel of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is what Derrick Henry is. So I think Derrick Henry and Delaney Walker will have fine games in this one. But outside of that, no one else really has any kind of fan value. On the Jacksonville Jaguars side of the ball, I'm not going to stream Gardner Minshew. I'm probably never going to stream Gardner Minshew because I don't know how you actually trust the passing attack of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in this game against the Tennessee Titans, who have a very good defense, I really don't know what you're going to do. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not one touchdown scored in this game. It could be a 12-9 affair or a 17-14 affair. I think 17-14 would be like a miracle at this point. To get a couple touchdowns from both teams would be actually a decent game to watch because that's probably as most as you could hope for in this matchup. Look, you have Leonard Fournette, you have to start him. You drafted him to be your RB2, but I don't like the matchup here. I don't like the way they have used Leonard Fournette up until this point while he's getting all the touches, and that has been saving him the past two weeks by giving him a decent enough floor. He doesn't have a big ceiling. One, Jacksonville doesn't move the ball a lot, so he's not putting a lot of scoring opportunities. And two, like they did last week with the two-point conversion that they tried to go to where they line up in shotgun four wide and then give it on a halfback dive to a 5-2 front and then expect Leonard Fournette to somehow get two yards and get into the end zone for the two-point conversion. Now, obviously that wasn't a touchdown scenario, but that has been their type of offense at the goal line pretty much so far for the first two weeks. And that's been the number one problem. When they want to use Leonard Fournette, you have to get a fullback back there. You line up in some power formations, have some balance. Stop trying to run Leonard Fournette, who is a power runner and a very good one at that, out of shotgun. He's not Shady McCoy. He's not one of these scat back guys. He's not one of these speed breaker guys. He's only going to be able to do so much. You're going to have to create a hole. And because that offensive line is terrible, especially on the interior, there aren't going to be a lot of holes to be had. So I don't understand the way they're using Leonard Fournette. But right now, you have to play him as your RB2. I just would not have a very high expectation as far as his ceiling goes. But you can count on a very good floor because the volume has been there. As far as the Jacksonville Jaguar, wide receivers go. I may have to change my tune moving forward on which one wide receiver I would trust because it had been D.D. Westbrook up to this point. There's clearly not a rapport between Gardner Minshew and D.D. Westbrook. Clearly that was only between him and Nick Foles. D.J. Shark seems to be the guy who has the rapport with Gardner Minshew right now and probably for the foreseeable future because I do not think Minshew is going to be losing the job to Josh Dobbs anytime soon. I do think he will remain the starting quarterback barring injury for the rest of this season and DJ Shark seems to be the guy that he wants to be able to go to uh, he's going to definitely be a matchup dependent guy so I'm not playing DJ Shark in this one but he is somebody who if you really really need a wide receiver he has been pretty good through two weeks and in certain matchups because of his speed size combination you can hope that maybe he has a big play so he's a guy who could be a flyer for you a wide receiver for with him some flyer upside and is worth rostering but DD Westbrook you can go ahead and drop him curse Chris Conley no reason to even roster him and of course there's no tight ends to even talk about when it comes to Jacksonville Jaguars either something they could really use in the future but right Right now, fantasy purposes, no one cares about Geoff Swam. In our next matchup, our first 1 o'clock game that we are going to talk about here is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Now look, Andy Dalton has been on fire as far as fantasy purposes go because the volume has been insane. He's thrown the ball over 90 times over the past two weeks. Now going on the road to Buffalo though against a pretty good defense, I don't know if he's going to get that same type of opportunity. He may come back down to about 30-35 attempts in this matchup against Buffalo and that would probably be 
on the high side. The Bills should be able to run the ball, even though it's just going to be with Frank Gore because Devin Singletary is out for the foreseeable future with a hamstring injury. And they should be able to control the clock between him and Josh Allen and using TJ Yeldon on passing downs. So I don't know how many opportunities Andy Dalton's going to get. He's not a streaming quarterback for me this week, but he is somebody who if you want to keep because he does have better streaming weeks ahead, you can. But I'm perfectly fine with you dropping him and then coming back to him on the waiver wire because there's a good chance that he will still be there because no one's going to want to stream him this week coming up. Joe Mixon here. You have to start Joe Mixon. You drafted him most likely to be your RB1, maybe your high-end RB2, but I hate the matchup here against the Buffalo Bills. I expect the Bills to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage of the Cincinnati Bengals, and if that is going to be the case, I don't know what his ceiling could be. Now, against the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Mixon did not get a lot of running room, and he didn't really look all that healthy to me, but he has been practicing in full so far this week, so with Joe Mixon, I think there's a chance that he could at least be more healthy going into this week, and he's a dynamic playmaker in his own right. So if he's healthy and ready to go, he may get more of the workload, especially in the passing game, which will help him with his fantasy floor. But I would not have a high expectation for Joe Mixon in this matchup. But I do think he's somebody because of who he is, because of where he drafted him, you do have to start him. As far as the wide receivers go, I'm good with Tyler Boyd in this matchup as your wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. He's going to get targeted quite a bit. He's going to get peppered again. So in PPR leagues, he does have a very good floor, and he has the best matchup going up against his Bills defense. John Ross is going to be the key. Now, John Ross actually might be okay to play if Tredavious White is going to be out, who did not practice in yesterday. So I'm recording this on Thursday. He didn't practice on Wednesday. I'm still waiting for the practice report to come out. If White does not play, play, I think all of a sudden Ross does have the ability to be a low-end wide receiver three with upside heading into this week because he may actually be able to use his speed against the Buffalo Bills. If White does play, though, there's no way I am having John Ross in my starting lineup. So that's going to be something that if you own John Ross and you're debating on whether you should play him this week against Buffalo, it's going to greatly depend on whether Javius White is expected to play. So just keep that in mind. As far as tight ends go, yes, Tyler Eifert scored his first touchdown last week, but until I see some consistency in getting him the ball, I don't know if you can really trust Tyler Eifert. He's not quite there as a streaming ability tight end one for me. On the Buffalo Bills side of the ball, Frank Gore has... I'm not going to start Frank Gore. I I just can't bring myself to do it. But in this matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, if you're banged up or don't have better options for whatever reason, I guess he could be a very low-end flex for me. He's probably going to get 18 to 20 carries like he did last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. He might have an opportunity to score a touchdown. Maybe. So there's, there's a possibility there. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He has a really low floor, though, because it's Frank Gore at the end of the day. Cincinnati Bengals played much better defense in week one than they did in week two. Last week, it looked like they forgot how to tackle. Now, I don't think the Bengals' defense is very good, and I think they're closer to what we saw against the 49ers than they are what we saw against the Seattle Seahawks. Having said all that, Frank Gore can't really run away from him either. It was the speed of Matt Breida. It was the speed of Raheem Mostert that really killed them at the end of the day. Frank Gore does not have that, so that may give them a fighting chance and hold him in check. Honestly, at the end of the day, ask yourself, do you really feel comfortable playing Frank Gore? There should be better options out there for you, but I understand if he's on your roster and if you're desperate that this is a matchup where he could fall into the end zone possibly, but I'm looking for other options. John Brown here, I think, is somebody who's a flyer. I would rather play him in a DFS league than in my redraft leagues, but as a high-end wide receiver four with some upside. I do think he can provide you with that kind of value, especially against the Cincinnati Bengals in this one. Josh Allen is by far targeting the most out of anybody, and he's a very good wide receiver against a very poor secondary here. Outside of that, I'm not playing anybody else. I'm not playing Cole Beasley. All right, He has a very low floor and not much of a ceiling to go along with it, so I'm not going to be playing him in that or PPR leagues. This is still Josh Allen as the quarterback, and while he looked decent last week against the Giants throwing the football, he still doesn't look great 
to me overall. His fundamentals are still off. He still looks like he's going to be very inaccurate. He's not going to be consistent. So I'm only going to be playing one wide receiver. And honestly, even then, I want to try to see if I can find other options. But I do think John Brown has some upside for you this particular week. Again, no real tight end value to talk about here with the Buffalo Bills. So we're just going to go ahead and move on to our next matchup, the Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys. On the Dolphins side of the ball, I don't even know if I need to talk about the Dolphins. You're not going to start anybody. I mean, no, nobody. This team is left for dead. This might be the worst team we have ever seen in the NFL. And we've had 0-16 teams before. We've had the Detroit Lions come close. We've had the Cleveland Browns actually go 0-16. The Dolphins are not only on their way to being 0-16, but they're actually not. I don't know how they're even going to be competitive in any games this year with the way they're trading away their talent. So I don't know how you start anybody. I, As far as rostering goes, I'm still rostering Kenyon Drake just because I do think he's going to be traded in the next few weeks and I would like to see where that goes so if I have the roster spot to be able to keep him I'm holding on to him until he is traded which I'm pretty confident that will happen I would say like 75% sure he will be traded so I will keep him on my roster for that outside of that there's nobody else to own even Devontae Parker dump bail there's no reason to own anybody I like Preston Williams I'm going to be fun to watch his development but he's not because somebody you're going to own in redraft leagues for Phoenix purposes. There's just nothing on the Dolphins right now. It is what you would call a wasteland to the fullest notion because there's nobody on that team I would remotely even think about starting in this one. On the Dallas Cowboys side of the ball, start everyone. Start, you know, start Dak Prescott, obviously, and Zico Elliott, obviously. Amari Cooper, obviously, but also make sure you're starting Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb. Or not, I'm sorry, not Michael Gallup, who's going to be out for Michael Gallup is going to be out for two to four weeks. But make sure you're starting Randall Cobb. Make sure you're starting Devin Smith. Now, in Devin Smith's case, though, I am a little bit more on the side of I will definitely play him in DFS. He still has a low floor when it comes to redraft leagues. Now, he's somebody, if you're stuck in a spot where you have a lot of wide receiver injuries, which is possible because Alshon's out, Deshaun Jackson's out. Uh, we're going to talk about that game. Uh, Tyree Kill, of course, if you had him, he's out. You've had If you have a lot of injuries there at the receiver position, you may have to take your shot. And I'm perfectly fine with taking him as an upside flyer guy for you. I think he's a wide receiver for this week against the Miami Dolphins with with upside to possibly be a low-end wide receiver too. He can make that jump because it only takes one play for Devin Smith, and it's a great matchup for him to be able to do that, especially with no Michael Gallup there, where he could actually see more targets come his way with the Cowboys talking about trying to get him more involved. Problem is, is at the end of the day, the Cowboys may not have to do too much to win this game. If they feel like it's in hand, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's more just Prescott, the Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott with maybe a mixture of Randall Cobb and a sprinkle of Devin Smith here and there. And they may not put their foot on the gas because they may just not feel the need to do so. So it's going to completely depend on the Dallas Cowboys as to what they want to do. But having said all that, you want to take a shot, go for it. DFS, go for it. Definitely not going to fault you for doing it, but just know with Devin Smith, because of the game flow, because the Cowboys won't have to do too much to win that game, there is a possibility that he could have a bust of a day, even though it's a great matchup, even though he has great talent. Just want to talk about the Cowboys defense real quick. Obviously, they have, they're my number two defense. Patriots are actually my number one going against the Justice because their defense has been on fire, not just at the Dolphins game, but in week one as well. So against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So against the Jets, I do have the Patriots number one, but my number two defense of the week is the Dallas Cowboys who are widely available. Last time checked, they were about 38% owned, which means they're about 62% available on average across all platforms. They should be a no-brainer streaming defense for you guys playing against the Miami Dolphins, and they should be a no-brainer DFS defense for you as well. There's going to be nobody better, and you get them at a decent discount. You saw what the Patriots did to them last week. The Cowboys have a very good defense too. I don't think the Dolphins are going to score many points. There's going to be turnovers because Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter, is the defense that could win you the week. So make sure you go ahead and pick them up. We're going to take a quick break right here. Come back on the other side. We have more games to preview. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrappedsports.com. Again, that's unwrappedsports.com. 
All right, getting right back into our preview analysis for the Week 3 Sunday 1 o'clock games here. Next up, we're going to be talking about the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers. Look, the running game has not been nearly as good as we have hoped for out of the Denver Broncos with Philip Lindsay, with Royce Freeman. It has definitely been more of a 50-50 split than I ever could have imagined, especially last week where even Royce Freeman got involved in the passing game on top of it. Now, whether or not that's something that's going to continue remains to be seen. Philip Lindsay is definitely the superior passing back, but from what I saw, the big reason why Royce Freeman found him back there so much was because they needed him back there in order to pick up the blitz. He's a bigger guy, so he's able to take on guys like Khalil Mack and everything like that, where Philip Lindsay was just getting manhandled back there because he's such a small guy. Khalil Mack just ran through him like he was tissue paper. Where Royce Freeman had a little more stoutness to him, could actually take on that block and then found himself in more passing down situations and then wound up having a decent target share. I don't know if that's going to be the case here against the Green Bay Packers. They don't quite have the pass rush. They don't quite have anybody named Cleo Mack. So that's going to help out. So Philip Lindsay may go back to assuming the majority of the work in the passing down role. But we saw what Dalvin Cook did to him. Now, Dalvin Cook is special. There's no doubt about it. But this is a similar run scheme with the Denver Broncos that they ran in Minnesota. And Philip Lindsay is an explosive type of runner. Royce Freeman should be able to find the hole too because he has actually looked pretty good to me this year. Looked better to me this year than he did last year. Looks a little bit quicker a little bit more physical. So I expect Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay to be flex plays for you in this week. I don't think either one of them are RB2s. We have to see this offense in general just play better before I think they can even have a chance to be in scoring opportunities to reach that RB2 status. But at the end of the day, they should have a safe enough floor for you where you can plug them in the flex and know that you should get somewhere between 8 to 10 points out of these guys no matter what your scoring format is at the very least with a chance for one of them to at least score a touchdown. I think the Green Bay Packers deep run defense is susceptible. The question is going to be do they get the opportunity with Joe Flacco making a mistake or not. That's going to that's going to be the key. That's what it's going to boil down to. But early on with, with Matt LaFleur calling the place for Green Bay and their offense not looking sharp there is a chance that Denver could hang around this game longer than maybe they should and as a result be able to keep running the football and not have to go to throw heavy which will bode well for Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman there. I do like Cortland Sutton. I do like Emmanuel Sanders here. Emmanuel Sanders, the, the Denver is just full of flex plays at the end of the day because Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders aren't really quite wide receiver twos. They're more like low-end wide receiver threes, high-end wide receiver fours, who I have no problem playing in the flex. I still believe at the end of the day, Cortland Sutton will be the number one wide receiver. He was in week one. It was Emmanuel Sanders in week two, and there's going to be some back and forth with the two of those guys depending on the matchup. I know Cortland Sutton's going up against J.R. Alexander, Alexander in this one, but he's too big to too physical. I do think both of these guys will have flex-worthy type of days and be targeted, especially in the fourth quarter, because I suspect that Denver's going to have to try to come back in this game. So the volume should be there, whether it's garbage time or whether it's just an effort to make a comeback. I think these guys are going to have at least five to seven targets apiece, making them both flex-worthy options in this matchup against the Green Bay Packers. Noah Fant is still not worthy to be starting on your lineups. I'm looking for the time that he is. He is starting. He is a very good athletic tight end, but they're just not utilizing him enough in good situations. He's having a hard time blocking, and they're just not getting him the ball as much as I thought they would, especially with Joe Flacco there. So until further notice, I don't think Noah Fant is somebody that you can actually play in your lineups. On the Packers side of the football, of course, you have to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Look, Aaron Rodgers has not been good for fantasy purposes the past couple of weeks, and I don't know how eager I am to play him in this one. Denver does have a decent defense. He's playing against Vic Vangio, who does know Rodgers pretty well. Of course, on the flip side, Rodgers knows him pretty well, too, from the last few years of playing in Chicago. Having said all that, with this offense just not looking right right now, with it just not looking sharp, with the play calling being as horrendous as it has been, and pretty much waiting on Aaron Rodgers to just go AWOL in order for this offense to find its spark, I have a hard time putting Rodgers high up on my list. I think he is somebody that you could bench. Obviously, he's not somebody you're going to drop because they are going to put it together at some point, and Rodgers will, will be back to his QB1 status. But maybe him being a top-five quarterback 
might be in question. I still think it's a possibility with him because all it takes is for him to go on a little bit of a hot streak, which is definitely possible when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers later on this season. And they have much better matchups. I mean, they played two of the best defenses in the NFL the first two weeks. And then Denver is no picnic in and of itself. So their, their schedule is going to get easier from here on out. So I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers. He is going to be my starting quarterback more times than not as the season moves forward. But I think it could be one more week. With guys like Matthew Stafford, who are my stop, my top streamers this week, and Jameis Winston against the Giants, I just think there's other options with much higher upside that you could play at the quarterback position. Maybe bench, bench Rodgers for this week, bring one of those guys in, and then as his schedule gets easier, you can go ahead and turn back to Rodgers and know that at the very least, the opportunities should be there as his offense continues to get worked out. It's a work in progress for sure. It's still a first year system, I guess. I think Matt LaFleur is just such a moron when it comes to calling plays. And now he wants to split the reps between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones is coming off of a great game, 23 carries over 100 yards and a touchdown. And that's when it's like, oh, you know what? You played too well. So I want to actually split the reps between you and Jamal Williams because you played so well. It doesn't make any sense. Matt LaFleur is a moron. I actually would not be surprised if he wound up getting fired in his first year. And that doesn't, I don't, and I don't care if the Packers make the playoffs. I know they're 2-0 right now. It's no thanks to Matt LaFleur. It's not because of him at all. It's because of Mike Pettin and Aaron Rodgers being able to make a few plays throughout the game enough to have the team win. That's why they've, that's why they're 2 and 0 right now. It has nothing to do with Matt LaFleur. And if Rodgers and him keep going back and forth like this, I think it's only a matter of time for this whole thing blows up. And Matt LaFleur is going to be the one finding a new job pretty soon if he doesn't get his act together or at least let Rodgers run more of the offense through him. Because right now, he looks like he's a college coach who's too stubborn to let his playmakers actually play. That's what it looks like to me. And that doesn't last long in the NFL. So until then, I have some hesitations when it comes to Rodgers, when it comes to really anybody on the Green Bay offense, but you're going to play Devontae Adams. You're going to have to probably play Aaron Jones this week, but I'm on the lookout for that Jamal Williams split. Exactly what is that going to mean? Is it going to mean less passing down work? Because they're already kind of 50-50 in that regard. But if Jamal Williams, if they're actually going to have an effort to get them both even amount of carries, man, this is going to get ugly real fast because Jamal Williams is not good, especially not as a runner at all. And if you're going to take out Aaron Jones, who's by far your most talented running back, you're taking away more of your actual talent that you can utilize on offense. It's going to affect the offense as a whole. So while for now you have to play Aaron Jones, that's something I'm going to be monitoring really closely as I go through the Denver Bronco matchup here. Outside Devontae Adams, I don't really know who else you really want to start at this point. Geronimo Allison doesn't have a great matchup. Broncos are pretty good against the slot wide receivers. Marquez Valdez-Scaling, I think on paper, has the best matchup of all the wide receivers. But right now, I don't know how you can trust to play him in your lineups either. Jimmy Graham's going to have to get back on track before I trust him again after he burned me bad last week. So even against the Denver Broncos, who do have a history of giving up points to the tight end, we got to see him get more involved. We got to see this entire offense get better. So outside of if you have to start Aaron Rodgers, go for it. But I do think there's better streaming quarterbacks and having to start Aaron Jones and having to start Devontae Adams. I don't think I'm touching anybody else on the Green Bay Packer offense. And I'm limiting my expectations as far as the ceilings goes for those three players as well this week. On our next up matchup, we have Atlanta and we have the Indianapolis Colts. Atlanta looked better last week. Now the Eagles secondary will help you do that. But there was still a lot of things they need to clean up. Matt Ryan is just letting it fly right now. A lot of interceptions. I expect him to clean that up and get better. He is a good quarterback in the NFL. The big disappointment that we have to talk about right now is Devontae Freeman. This is the matchup. Now, look, he didn't have good matchups the first two weeks. That much is true. And they lost their, in, their Lindstrom, who's their first-round guard. So the interior of that offensive line is really hurting. But they have gone through years of just having Alex Mack up there and still being able to be serviceable with Devontae Freeman. The biggest thing is that he's going to have to be more more involved in the passing game. Last week, he had four targets, three catches, 42 yards. He has to be able to do more of that because I don't know how much running room he's ever really going to have unless they have a cupcake matchup one week. So because of that, keeping that in mind, if he doesn't start to get more work in the passing game, I may start to hit the panic button on Devontae Freeman and may look to sell. I'm not selling just yet. I still think Devontae Freeman looks like himself when he's out in space and he's actually had the ball in his hands. He doesn't look slow. He looks much better than he did a season ago. He looks like old Devontae Freeman again. So because the explosiveness and the ability is still there in my eyes when watching the tape, I'm not going to sell just yet. But against the Colts, which is not a great matchup, but better than what he's had the past two weeks, if we can't see a marketable improvement in production, I will look to sell Devontae Freeman moving forward after this. Edo Smith 
Smith is still nothing more than a handcuff at this point after getting about 50-50% of the work in week one. Week two, it was definitely Freeman who dominated all the touches. He didn't fumble in that game, didn't get put in the doghouse, and even though Edo Smith was actually more efficient with his touches, didn't get very many. So this is Devontae Freeman's backfield with Edo Smith being nothing more than a handcuff. Julio, you start him. Calvin Ridley, you start him. These are decent matchups for him. The Colts defense is playing more of how I expected, which is not quite as dominant as they were a season ago. I know they look good against the Tennessee Titans, but a lot of defenses are going to look good against the Tennessee Titans. That's not a great offense they're, they're chugging out over there. So it was, a def- it was a divisional matchup too, and it was on the road, so they just played really well. This is back at home, but that defensive secondary isn't something that I'm afraid of, especially when you're talking about the caliber wide receivers of a Julio Jones, of a Calvin Ridley. So you can expect your normal expectations for those guys as well and play them with no fear. They're going to be able to match up with the top wide receivers that you're probably going to be playing against with those guys. Austin Hooper is an interesting one here. Look, Austin Hooper, we know what the deal is. If they have to throw a ton, it's in every other week situation if he's going to be involved. So they have to be able to, they have to throw the ball at least 40 plus times in a game I think for Austin Hooper to have a a plus matchup for him that's usually when he does well it's usually when he'll get peppered with targets if they start hitting a certain number of volume against the Indianapolis Colts I don't think they're gonna have to throw the ball that much but having said all that at the end of the day because Austin Hooper because of his role in that offense because it does seem to be an every other week thing and he didn't have a great week last week he still has to be a low end tight end one for me going into this week so I don't love him definitely not going to play him in DFS but if he is your tight end I'm not going to be afraid to play Austin Hooper this week I'm not going to look for better options because there's probably not going to be any at the end of the day. The Indianapolis Colts next up here. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Jacoby Brissett, he's still not at the point where I'm ready to stream him yet, and this isn't a matchup where I want to do it. There's a lot of speed on that Atlanta Falcons defense. They are playing in the dome, which is where they excel at, especially when they're able to use their speed quite a bit. It's also why I'm not a big fan of T.Y. Hilton in this matchup. I think T.Y. Hilton's going to have a hard time getting open against Trufant. They're very good against speed type of wide receivers. They don't do as well against the big physical guys, and we really didn't get to see too much last week because Alshon Deshaun got hurt so early on and never came back in the game. But typically speaking, they do better against faster type receivers, not so much against the big physical receivers. That's why I think T.Y. Hilton's not going to have the big game that everyone would hope that he gets. I know he's scored the last two weeks, and that's been great. But like I said last week, heading out of the recap, because he scored a touchdown the last two weeks, I don't think he finds the end zone this week. And against the Atlanta Falcons, I don't think it's a great matchup for him. I don't think the big play is on the table as much as it normally would be with T.Y. So while you have to play him just because of the role, just because the the hot streak that he has been on the past two weeks and because you drafted him to at least be your wide receiver too after the Andrew Luck retirement, you, while you have to play him, I would have a lower expectation of what kind of ceiling he could possibly produce when looking at the rest of my team in my matchups. There's no other receivers to even talk about with the Colts right now. I'm still going to keep my eye on Deion came, but it was very disappointing that he was not involved in all, didn't even get a target in last week's matchup. We'll have to see if that changes, but for now, Paris Campbell's the only guy who's maybe offering some upside as a the second wide receiver on that team, but even then, I'm not even looking at him for fantasy purposes. It's T.Y. Hilton and nobody else. Same thing as it goes with the tight ends right now. Now, I told you Eric Ebron was still going to get utilized in the red zone. Everybody wanted to drop him after, I believe it was week one. And they just wanted to bail on him right away because they, all the hype of him having a bust season and they didn't wind up doing anything in week one. And then week two, he finds the end zone. He's still going to be utilized in the red zone. Now, is he going to be touchdown or bust this season? Yes, absolutely. Is he going to put up double-digit touchdowns this season? Probably not. But he is somebody who you can play at the tight end position if you don't have a strong get and you just need a guy 
guy who at least has touchdown potential, I would go with that matchup. And I do think he has touchdown potential in this one because I think it's going to be hard for the Colts when they do get inside the red zone to be able to find red zone targets. I do think Eric Ebron might be the number one red zone target for them this week. So I do think this is a week where you can play with the hope that he does have an actual possibility to be able to get you a touchdown in this one. Jack Doyle is nobody of fantasy worth right now. He should be on the waiver wire, not owned. I don't know when you're going to be comfortable playing Jack Doyle with Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback moving forward, especially with what we've seen so far. Next up, we're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. To me, this is going to be the game of the week. Can the Baltimore Ravens get revenge from the playoffs from a year ago? Lamar Jackson, who's looking a million times better, especially throwing the football this season. A defense is still pretty good. And the Ravens overall as a football team are more balanced. Of course, on the Kansas City Chiefs side of the ball, you have Damian Williams, who's not expected to play. LaShawn McCoy might. LaShawn McCoy was able to practice today in a limited capacity, so he actually might be able to be out there with Darwin Thompson, presumably taking some passing down work, because even if McCoy is able to play this Sunday, I don't think he's going to be in a position to be 100%. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how much of a workload they want to get him, give him. And against the Baltimore Ravens, who are one of the top run defenses in the NFL, I don't know how much you would really expect out of LaShawn McCoy. So I'm not going to play McCoy at all at any of my lineups this week. I would expect you guys to not as well. Darwin Thompson, I will take a shot on him in DFS and PPR leagues only if I'm desperate. I think you're going to have better options this week. I don't love them against the Ravens. I don't love any running backs against the Ravens. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still the Chiefs offense. It's still in Kansas City. And somebody's going to have to catch the ball out of the backfield because there's going to be targets there. So that would be Darwin Thompson. So I think there's a floor that comes with him if you're in a full point PPR leagues, but I'm not playing half point, not playing him standard. I may take a chance on him in DFS, but I don't have an incredibly high expectation given the matchup for Darwin Thompson, even though he should have a really nice role this week with McCoy being banged up and Williams most likely not going to play. As far as the wide receivers go, I trust Travis Kelsey. I trust Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins still has to be considered a wide receiver one. Jimmy Smith is not playing for the Baltimore Ravens, so he does have a little bit of an easier time there than he normally would. This is still a decent defense, and I still think they're going to lean on Travis Kelsey a lot in this game too. This is the type of game where with guys like Earl Thomas who can keep the deep ball in check, I don't think McCole Harmon or Demarcus Robinson have a very good game in this one. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to go to the deep ball like they have have been in the past. Now, they're still the Chiefs. They're still the best deep ball team in the league because of Patrick Mahomes, so he still might get one or two, but it's not going to be unhinged the way that it had been the first two weeks, and I would not be playing Demarcus Robinson or Mecole Harbin in this matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, who can hold them in check, and Earl Thomas can hold them at bay from being able to get beat, get beat deep on a constant basis, which just has been happening the past two weeks. So I'm trusting Sammy Watkins, I'm trusting Travis Kelsey, and of course I'm playing Patrick Mahomes. Outside of that, I don't think I'm going to play any of the Chiefs wide receivers in this particular matchup. On the Ravens side of the ball, of course, you play on Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's actually my number one quarterback this week. I figure either way, the matchup is there. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is terrible. And of course, if the Chiefs actually do find a way to put up points, then they're going to have to throw a little bit more too. So either way, Lamar Jackson is going to have the ability to run. He's going to have the ability to throw. Things are going to be wide open for him. And I expect his hot streak to very much continue in this game. And I think he actually has a safer floor than Patrick Mahomes in this matchup. There's less of a chance that he get or the offense gets frustrated. Mark Ingram, I think, will have a bounce back game from what he had last week. Remember, the one silver lining for Mark Ingram to take out of last week was that nobody else besides him as a running back was involved in the rushing game. Now, Lamar Jackson obviously was the guy who was the big runner of the day, and that's going to happen sometimes. But the big thing was that Mark Ingram, when they went to run the ball with a running back, he was the one who got the touches. And against Kansas City Chiefs, he should find the end zone in this one. I think they're going to go back, get him more involved, get the running game going. They got a little bit pass happy last week. I don't think that's what the Ravens, especially Greg Roman, really wants to do at the end of the day. So Mark Ingram, I think, has a bounce back game and may find him back competing as a high-end RB2, possibly low-end RB1 that I've had him rated for this entire season. Marquise Brown, to me, is a high-end wide receiver two, at least in this game, with a very real chance of putting up wide receiver one numbers. You gotta love the matchup. You gotta love his ability. He played way more snaps last week, and I think last week even impressed me more than the first week did. Yes, he had the bigger stat line. He had the bigger plays, but last week he had eight catches for 89 yards. He's showing you, like, I'm not just going to be a burner. I am going to be the receiver of this team, and I am too fast for guys to stick me. He gets separation unlike anybody else besides Tyree 
Tyreek Hill. I'm going to keep using that comparison until people see it and believe it for themselves. They still have some people fighting on that. They still want to call him Deshaun Jackson. Like, no, he runs better routes than Deshaun Jackson ever had. He's got that quick separation. He's more like Tyreek Hill. You can't stick him. And option routes down the field, no matter what the case is. And against Kansas City, I expect him to eat up that secondary. So Marquise Brown is a must start for me in all formats this week. Same thing goes for Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has been the number one tight end through the first two weeks. He's good to go. He came back to practice today. They were never in any doubt as far as his availability goes. He's dealing with some kind of a foot irritation, but he should be good to go. Lamar Jack, he's one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets. That much is clear as he has the highest target share in the NFL as far as the tight ends go. And he's going to be always one, the biggest, if not the number one red zone target for Lamar Jackson on a week in, week out basis. And against Kansas City Chiefs, again, it's a plus matchup. I wouldn't even be opposed to playing all the four top guys, Jackson, Ingram, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, all together in DFS leagues because this is a great matchup for all of them. And I expect all of them to be able to get their turn and get their points. All right, we're going to take a quick break right here, come back, preview the rest of the one o'clock games, and then we are going to get into the start-sit questions on the other side. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. Our next matchup we're going to talk about here is the Oakland Raiders and the Minnesota Vikings. Now, while the Oakland Raiders are far better than the Miami Dolphins, this is a week where I don't know if the Raiders have a fantasy option that I really want to play this week. That includes Josh Jacobs, who's coming off of a very good game. He's banged up. He was able to practice in a limited capacity today, but he has the groin issue and he's having an illness issue as well. He's sick at the moment. So, You have that, and you have them going up against the Minnesota Vikings, who are a very good defense. I just don't know exactly, A, what his volume is going to be, because if he is banged up, if he is sick, they may take away some of his volume and give more to Jalen Richard, give more to DeAndre Washington. If they do that on top of playing against a tough defense, I don't know how much I love Josh Jacobs this week. Now, you may be in a situation where you have to play him, because he may be your RB2, and I understand that if that's the case, but... This is a week where I would maybe go ahead and bench him and see if you have better options to be able to go to. If you don't, that's what you have to do in that situation. But this is the game where I wouldn't be afraid to bench the guy who is my RB2 week in and week out. He's going to have better matchups ahead, but this is just a bad situation with his injury and his illness up against this defense. I don't think the Oakland Raiders offense is really going to get much done against the Minnesota Vikings this week. I don't think Tyrell Williams is going to be able to get open on Xavier Rhodes. Now, I know Devontae Adams had a big game, and a lot of people seem to be wanting to point to that. I would also point out that Devontae Adams, A, plays Xavier Rhodes all the time, B, historically has had Xavier Rhodes' number, and then Xavier Rhodes goes out and dominates everybody else. While Julio had a touchdown, Julio did nothing in that game in week one against Xavier Rhodes up until he got that touchdown in garbage time. So I'm not expecting Tyra Williams, who's not nearly the receiver as either one of those two, going up against Xavier Rhodes for the most part in this game. I don't expect him to be able to do very much. I don't. He's going to definitely have a low ceiling and a low floor heading into this matchup. He is somebody who, while he has actually kind of been a high-end wide receiver three over the past few weeks, he's not somebody who's going to be in my lineups this week. I'm also also going to be hesitant about Darren Waller. Now, you may not have a better choice because Darren Waller has been a top 10 tight end over the past two weeks, so you may not have a better option to go to. Again, kind of like the Josh Jacobs situation. But if I do have other options, there's somebody out there that has a decent matchup that I think maybe has a better chance to score a touchdown. I would perhaps go that route because the biggest thing in this game, why I don't think the Raiders are going to be able to do very much, is I think Derek Carr is going to be running for his life and is going to make mistakes as a result in this matchup. I think the Minnesota Vikings defensive line should be able to dominate that line of scrimmage, be able to put pressure on Derek Carr, and I don't think they're just going to be able to get in a rhythm at any point. They were they weren't able to do a whole hell of a lot against Kansas City. Now, while Jacobs and Tyrell and Darren Waller were all decent for you, and Derek Carr was the only really awful one at the end of the day, that was the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Now they're going up against the Minnesota Vikings defense on the road. I just don't expect a lot from here, and I would just look for other options outside of your Raider players if you're able to help it. 
On the Minnesota side of the ball, of course you play every you play Adam Thielen, you keep playing Stephon Diggs. I know the passing game hasn't been great because Kirk Cousins has been on an ungodly cold streak right now, but Kirk Cousins is a streaky quarterback. So the second he snaps out of it, those guys their value is going to go back through the roof. They're going to be low end wide receiver ones, high end wide receiver twos the second that happens. And they both still had decent games for you last week, even with a terrible outputting from Kirk Cousins. This is the Oakland Raiders defense. It's not very good secondary, and if we're looking to try to see if Cousins and the passing game for the Vikings can get it turned around. This would be a week to get right and get moving in the right direction. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Vikings passing offense look much different than it has for the past two weeks, given the matchup. Now, I'm not going to stream Kirk Cousins because he's been so bad that even in a plus matchup, you can't take that chance right now. But you should have no fear in playing Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and expecting their usual ceilings that you hope to have out of them in this matchup. And of course, Dalvin Cook. I mean, we don't even have to go in and any analysis with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has been the running back one. It's been him and Austin Eckler, actually, which has been kind of crazy. But Dalvin Cook in this matchup, I see no reason why he doesn't get you another 100 yards and a touchdown the way he has the first two weeks because this is a great matchup where he should get to eat quite a bit again this week. Still staying away from Kyle Rudolph until that passing game gets better. I don't think anybody outside of Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs can be played from this Minnesota team. Next matchup we have to talk about is the Jets and the Patriots. We have a lot of lopsided games. As we go through these matchups, I'm like, there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of lopsided matchups, especially in these one o'clock hour era. Uh with the Jets and the Patriots, look, we know that Sam Darnold out, Trevor Simeon out. It's gonna be Luke Falk. He as far as wide receivers go, he at least he looked for Robbie Anderson against Cleveland in garbage time. He did get the ball to Jameson Crowder in the fourth quarter. So there were some things that maybe you could take a positive out of. I don't know how great you feel about playing anybody. I don't know if I would play anybody. Look, Robbie Anderson's going to be going up against Stephon Gilmore in this game with Luke Falk as the quarterback. I'm not playing him. The only guy who I would maybe think about because he might have a decent floor is Jamison Crowder in a PPR league because he is going to have the best matchup against the Patriots and Luke Falk and the Adam Gase offense is just, it's going to be built around looking for Jamison Crowder in the short intermediate area and Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. That That's the way I think the bulk of their passing game is going to go to. I don't think Crowder has much of a ceiling, but he may be able to get you 8 to 10 points in a PPR league and at least get you a decent floor. That would not surprise me in this matchup. But hopefully you have better options. Hopefully looking for a floor and hoping for a floor is not where you need to go with your team. So at the end of the day, I really would try to not play anybody from the Jets that's not named Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is going to get a ton of work, a ton of volume. Yes, the Patriots are going to game plan number one to take him away. It doesn't matter. His floor is through the roof because he's going to get probably 30 touches overall in this game just because he's going to have to. Even in garbage time, you saw it last week against Cleveland Browns when they were dominated. He was still getting touches well into the fourth quarter. So I think Le'Veon Bell is as safe as they come. I just don't know how high of a ceiling you can come to expect him. I don't think he's going to be among the top RB1s in the top five. By the way, you're going to be able to check all of my rankings, mdffshow.com on the website. They are all up for week three. So you can go ahead, check them out, see where I have everybody ranked, what I have expectations for across the board to be able to help set your lineups. I just want to make sure you guys know that that is done. So go ahead and check out the website ahead of your week three games here. On the Patriots side of the ball, start, you know, start everybody. Tom Brady, top three quarterback. Shoney Michelle should have a decent game in this one. I expect him to be up a lot, especially in the second half. He'll get a lot of work, kind of like he did against the Dolphins there. He has a safe floor in his own right. James White is somebody you can start in this one. Uh, you know, just because he's still going to get his healthy pass work in here. You saw that last week, even when they were trying to go to Antonio Brown, even playing the Dolphins, they still got James White involved. Now, I don't know if he finds the end zone like he did a week ago, and I think he does have kind of a just a decent floor and a very low ceiling as a result because Rex Burkhead is still getting an annoying amount of touches. But I do think James White is somebody who can play in the flex and half point and full point PPR leagues. I wouldn't play him in standard, but in those scoring formats, I can see him as a safe floor guy that you can plug in there because he's still getting his work out of the backfield. I'm still not going to play Rex Burkhead. He's nothing more than a guy who's just annoying the hell out of me if I'm a Sony Michelle or a James White owner, but I'm not going to sit there and play Rex Burkhead. You can't trust the volume uh, from a week to week basis, even in a matchup like this against the Jets. Antonio Brown is going to play this week. We know that. NFL is still trying to come up with what they need uh, 
with what they need to be able to come to a decision on Antonio Brown, whether or not he'll be put on the exempt list. But that is not something either way that will happen this week. So he will be good to go. He will be good to play. And if you have Antonio Brown, you have to start Antonio Brown. That was my advice to you last week. I hope all of you guys listened in MD Nation. I hope you guys all listened to me again. They proved last week that they want to get their their new weapon, all kinds of involved in the offense. He showed you why he's such a good wide receiver with the separation he was able to create on a decent corner in Xavier Howard. So I expect it to keep going. Julian Edelman, if you have him, especially half-point, full-point PPR leagues, I think you still have to play him as a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. He still has to be in your lineups. The only guy I'm benching is Josh Gordon, just because you can't trust the volume. While last week he actually was the second most targeted wide receiver, that's kind of the reason why I expect Julian Edelman to be more involved this week. And with Gordon, he's pretty much, to me, in my book, a big play or bust type of wide receiver at this point, more of a wide receiver four with some upside if he's able to hit the big play. Now, the Jets is a team that he definitely could hit the big play, but I'm going to be more looking to play Josh Gordon in DFS type leagues. I'm not going to be looking to count on him in my redraft league, especially in a plus, even, even in a plus matchup, I should say especially when the Patriots aren't going to have to do a whole hell of a lot to win this game. And again, Patriots defense are going to be my number one defense this week against the Jets. Next up here, we have Detroit on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. So starting off with the Eagles side of the ball, because they have so much injury history or injury report, I should say. Alshon Jeffrey's not going to play this week. Deshaun Jackson's not going to play this week. There's a pretty good chance that neither one of them plays next week in the Thursday night game either. Now, having said all that, what does that do? Well, it limits the expectation for Carson Wentz. The Detroit Lions defense hasn't been bad through the first two weeks. And even though this one's going to be on the road, Wentz is not going to have anybody else to throw to outside of Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz. Which brings me to my second point. Nelson Aguilar is a must-start this week. The volume is going to be there. He's going to have one of the safest floors at the wide receiver position as anyone. So you're going to have to play him. There's no way you can ignore Nelson Aguilar. I can't believe I'm saying it. I hate his talent. I don't think he's very good at football. But the volume is going to be there out of necessity. So he has to be a high-end wide receiver three this week. And I believe a must start whether in your whether you have three receivers in your lineups or you have a flex play especially in PPR and half point PPR leagues I think he's going to even have a higher floor in those type of scoring formats I think he is going to get peppered same thing goes with Zach Ertz look Zach Ertz hasn't been all that great or at least hasn't been the top end guy that you drafted him to be the first two weeks I would bet money I guarantee that he does this week Dallas Goddard may not play either in this game. He hasn't practiced yet this week. So Zach Ertz may be the number one target for Carson Wentz this week, and he's going to have a great matchup. There's no no doubt about it in my mind. Outside of that, I don't know who else on the Eagles you can really trust to play. The Tory has been pretty good against the run. Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and Darren Sproles have been splitting so much work between the three of them that I don't know if you can actually trust any one of them to be able to play in this matchup. I definitely don't trust Miles Sanders. I definitely don't trust Jordan Howard until somebody becomes the clear-cut main runner. But because... And while that looks like it's going to be trying to be Miles Sanders as being the starter, Jordan Howard still getting enough carries that Sanders is ceiling gets taken away completely and he doesn't really have much of a floor because Darren Sproles is still getting involved in the passing game. I think Darren Sproles could actually be a sleeper in PPR leagues this week given the lack of options in the passing game. I think he is going to get more involved. I was surprised that he didn't against Atlanta last week when a lot of the guys went down. I do think there's going to be emphasis on getting him involved in that and acting as a third weapon for Carson Wentz to be able to go to in the passing attack being they're going to be lacking so many options. So I do think he's a sleeper flex for you in PPR leagues only. But outside of that, I don't know how you trust playing any of the other Eagles. If you have Carson Wentz, I think you have to play him. He's going to be your QB1 more times not. And even in this matchup with the weapons that he has because he is so good, he can still turn in a lower-end QB1 performance for you. But obviously, you're going to have to lower your ceiling expectations for him in this matchup. On the Detroit Lions side of the football, I love Matthew Stafford. Stafford is going to be my number one streaming quarterback of the week. The Eagles are so susceptible to the deep ball, and the Detroit Lions have nothing but deep ball weapons. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, even Danny Amendola was getting down the field, and of course, TJ Hawkinson in the seam. Matthew Stafford looks healthy. He's looked good to me for the first two weeks. He has his deep ball back. He has his velocity back, and I think Matthew Stafford's going to wind up having a big week in this one. Carryon Johnson, somebody you have to play, but he's somebody who's squarely an RB2. I thought he was somebody coming into the season that could be an RB2 with RB1 type of upside, but there's simply not 
one, getting him the ball enough, and two, that offensive line is so terrible, especially in the interior, he just doesn't have a lot of room to run. So he's going to have to lean on being worked in in the passing game. I think it is a good sign that they cut ways with C.J. Anderson, brought in Paul Perkins, so maybe on Johnson will be able to get more goal line opportunities in those type of situations now. That's something we're going to have to watch, but until on is taking over and is averaging between 16 and 18 touches every single week, I think his ceiling is capped as an RB2 only for you. Kenny Galladay, I'm playing. Marvin Jones, I would even be taking a shot in as a flex because I think he's somebody who has a good matchup and could wind up getting in the end zone and having a big play in this one, maybe even in DFS. And Danny Amendola is somebody who I would maybe look at in PPR leagues as my flex DFS there too. I think all of the receivers could wind up having good games here for the Detroit Lions. I think they're going to have to pass first and run second, which which means I think it's going to open up everything. It's not a usual Daryl Bevel situation to be able to do that, but against this team in this matchup, I think that's what the Detroit Lions are going to have to come out and do. So I like all of their passing attack weapons. That wraps it up for the preview analysis. We're going to take one last break, come back with the mailbag segment on the other side. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. All right, for the mailbag segment here, we got a couple of good questions that I pulled out. We're going to start off with somebody who is a return fan, has been on this show. I've shouted out his questions before. It was a trade question. I found it very interesting. Randy, from my email, he usually emails me directly through the website, www.mdffshow.com. He said he's looking for a running back and wonders if he should be trading OBJ. And the reason why he thinks he should be trading OBJ is because he believes Baker is not as good as everybody thinks. He believes Baker can't read defenses and he thinks he this is the opportunity to sell high on OBJ. And he's asking me if I think it's a good idea. He thinks that wide receiver three, he has some options between Marquise Brown and some others that he could be able to get by. My advice to Randy in the email and my advice to anybody in general who's thinking about selling high on OBJ is I would rather you didn't. Look, Baker hasn't played very well the first two weeks. That much is true, and there's definitely some things they need to clean up. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Freddie Kitchen's play calling hasn't been very good. They're not doing him any favors. They're not getting any quick throws. They're not giving him any chances to really be able to get back into rhythm. It's been all deep passes. They're not really utilizing all their pieces correctly. Jarvis Landry's running deep on almost every play on the opposite side of OBJ. That's not what he does. That's why he hasn't been that involved. He's a guy who's a slot receiver. He's supposed to open up the short intermediate area and then be able to work off of that. I think that's going to get corrected. I do think Freddie Kitchens is a good offensive coordinator, a good offensive play caller at the end of the day. So I think that's something we could see get corrected. And I think Baker and this offense will get hot and back to what we expect. They just have too much talent not to. But I understand why watching, especially that Jets game on Monday Night Football, you have some hesitations as exactly how those expectations can be met. What I would say, though, is that even in a game where they didn't look particularly sharp, OBJ still had a huge game. And I would also point out that OBJ had huge games week in and week out as a wide receiver one for years with Eli Manning as his quarterback. Baker Mayfield, even with what how he's been playing as of lately, which hasn't been great, is still better than Eli Manning. So Odell Beckham is still a wide receiver one. So I wouldn't really want to move on from him. But if you absolutely must or if you absolutely think you need a running back more, just make sure you're getting an RB1, a solid RB1 in return if you're going to part ways with Odell Beckham Jr. Next question up, George from Facebook asks, John Ross or Marquise Brown? This is a no-brainer. I pulled this one out because I know some people are kind of trying to get cute. Like, oh, how much can we trust Marquise Brown? You can trust Marquise Brown as a wide receiver too. I think every single week for the rest of the season is without a doubt Marquise Brown. Every single week is going to be a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside with no doubt about it. And against the Kansas City Chiefs, he has a much better matchup than John Ross against the Buffalo Bills. Definitely start Marquise Brown, George. Next up is Charles from Twitter. Ask Raheem Mostert or Philip Lindsay? Ooh, I'm going to have to go Philip Lindsay with this one. Look, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a pretty good front seven. I don't think they're going to be able to run on the Steelers the way they ran on Cincinnati. They t- First of all, they tackle much better as a team, and that was the biggest thing is that the Bengals didn't tackle very well. 
Jeff Wilson Jr. is actually going to be worked in, and Shanahan came out and pretty much said that until Tevin Coleman comes back, Jeff Wilson Jr. may just be the goal line back. So you have him splitting with touches with Matt Breida, and then you have him losing touches to Jeff Wilson when they actually get in close when it matters the most. I don't know how you can trust Raheem Mostert really moving forward at this point, and Tevin Coleman is, is going to come back soon. So I think you can go ahead and pretty much drop Raheem Mostert pretty soon, especially after this week. Philip Lindsay should be your guy against the Green Bay Packers. We talked about that game. I think they have a good run system against that team. I think Philip Lindsay has the mismatch. I think he should be able to get back on track and have a decent game here against the Green Bay Packers. That wraps up the mailbag questions for today. That wraps up the show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I had a wonderful time recording it. I will be back tomorrow with the 4 o'clock Sunday night and Monday night games tomorrow with another mailbag segment of course make sure you check out my website mdffshow.com for the rankings i have everybody including the thursday night game tonight make sure you're checking me out on twitter at mdsffshow for all those player up-to-date news notifications and follow along with the show on facebook at mdffshow there make sure you're checking out any one of my networks overtime heroics unwrap sports belly up sports my peers over there doing great work too so you can get information valuable information from anyone over there as well I will see you guys tomorrow and have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 